late to work, who gives a fuck? This year of life, bitch! Fuck you, boss, I'm late! I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late! What you gonna be doing about it? I said I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late! I'm late, you gonna fire me? There's no one else here, bitch! All been there. <laughs> oh man, that was fantastic. I don't know if you, have you seen that guy uh, before? I have never seen that guy in my life. That uh, was new to me. <laughs> he does he does a lot of stuff like this. He's a I like his stuff. You find him on TikTok. Mark Rebelit. Uh shout out to <laughs> Matt Leck for um playing this show playing this on the majority report that's where i heard it um so i wanted to share it with our audience because uh how could you not it's a great it's a great a great it's a bop <clears throat> yeah yeah i really dug it i uh, have been there done that felt it uh wanted to say it um, <laughs> yeah there's no I've, one else here <laughs> i've probably said things pretty close to that before so yeah um love that that's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Taking that energy and do the work week on Monday. <clears throat> so, uh... <laughs> I mean, we were not, in case anyone's listening. Yeah, right. No, I would never. Supervises us. Yeah, no. We're I not. Would, <laughs> I would we're never, be early. personally. Yeah. But early. Just, Bright and early Monday morning. I'm saying, yeah. In Minecraft. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. Yeah, so we we did a thing last week. We did. If you, do you remember, Adam, what we did? <laughs> I remember most of it, or at least parts of it. Um, I yeah. do. Yeah, we did something really cool. We were on the air for 32 hours and uh, just preaching the good word of labor solidarity, working class folks coming together, united around a common interest, sticking up for one another. We raised over $15,000 for striking Southern workers. Uh, it was a remarkable display of solidarity and collaboration. We had amazing lineup of guests. Uh, people uh, called in and chatted and uh, sent messages, sent videos. It was, um, yeah, it was just a great, great opportunity for folks to come together for a good cause. Um, you know, when fo folks are fighting the good fight, we have to have their back. And I am so impressed with the support. Uh, yep. that we were able to to help facilitate um you know and it's not because of Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison or the Valley Labor Report it's because of the movement right and and that's what uh is so beautiful about it and uh so yeah I was thrilled to take part in it uh if you know it's kind of a silly gimmick right just stay on YouTube for 32 hours and see if people d give you money because of that. Right. Uh, turns out it kind of works. Uh, and if you do it right, I guess, and, and if you're really doing it for the right reasons. And so I had a great time, really enjoyed myself. I learned a lot, uh, was surprisingly coherent for, for yep. most of the 32 hours. Maybe not all of it. Um, we should probably edit wisely when we release clips from... Yep. From the marathon um but yeah i all in all great experience i appreciate all the listeners who were engaged and who donated um you know 
really means a lot. Um, I'm excited to cut those checks and, uh, yeah, just pay it forward for the movement. Yep. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, and like you, the <clears throat> the part that you said about it, it's not it's not about um, not about or because of you know myself or yourself. That's a- absolutely true. The only you know the the thing about streams like that when we when we did it in the past and and when we did it last weekend and and uh, if and when we do it again in the future, it, it's definitely because of the collaboration and all of the cool folks that we've been able to meet. Uh, you know, doing this kind of stuff. Um, and the de- dedication of you know people that care about working people. So so yeah, happy to be able to facilitate that and uh, direct some money to some folks fighting the good fight in the South. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, definitely Great enjoyed that. <clears throat> definitely enjoyed it. Uh, we kept the good vibes going this week. Uh, you helped me out at my People's Town Hall in Huntsville oh, this yeah. week. Uh, yeah. Which was pretty good. There was, um, you know, over 30 folks showed up. We talked about, you know, criminal justice reform, health care, and uh, worker policy. And had some really great discussions with folks from the community. Uh, it was a good crowd of folks. Some people I knew, some people I didn't. Uh, everybody there was there because they think Alabama can be better. Uh, and it needs to be better, and we talked about that, and um, so that was a really a great moment as well this past week. Uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, and and just just in case you know, folks were um, <clears throat> uh, that that folks are, are not aware of of your position or or uh, whatever. Uh, explain to them. Explain your position and, and the organization that you did it for, and sure, and, and a little bit more about the ta- about the event. Yeah, so uh, folks, of course, know that I am a union stagehand with IATSE Local 900, uh, but I also, of course, do the Valley Labor Report, and on top of that, I have a full time job, uh, my third job, uh, which is uh, working as the Northeast Alabama organizer for Alabama Rise, we're a nonprofit coalition of 150 groups, thousands of members uh, from the faith-based community, grassroots groups, civic groups, just folks who want to see Alabama be a better place for all of us. Uh, And, you know, the really cool thing about Alabama Rise is that it is a membership organization, uh, right? So community members, citizens, just rank-and-file people out here in Alabama uh, join a rise. They they pay 15 bucks a year uh, for dues. even less if they can't afford it. Uh, and the members select issue priorities, right? So think of it more or less like the poor people's lobbyists, right? We have a force in Montgomery. Uh, and so we do advocacy, citizen advocacy, uh, statewide organizing, and policy analysis. And through you know those three different realms, you know, piece that together to fight for a better Alabama. Uh, as part of that, we go out and engage in communities and, and just listen to our members and, and citizens and allies. Uh, and we do town halls and listening sessions and issue previews. And so, like, I go out and I'll speak to different groups about what's happening in the legislature, uh, you know, what's happening with Medicaid expansion, for example. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other issues that we have going on in the state and how people can make a difference. Uh, and so that's a little bit about what we were doing. We, the, we had a town hall, uh, People's Town Hall in Huntsville last week. Uh, members of the public were open, you know, invited. And uh, we talked a little bit about some of those key issues in the state. 
uh, and then how had, had breakout groups and folks could go wherever they wanted to talk about uh, whether it's criminal justice, healthcare, worker policy, or you know a catch-all other group. And so folks had a chance to talk with you know their neighbors and with experts in the, in the area. Jacob led the worker policy discussion. Uh, my colleague Debbie Smith, who leads the Cover Alabama Coalition, she led the healthcare discussion. Uh, and my uh, friend Elaine from Alabama Appleseed led the criminal justice discussion. Uh, so it was, you know, you got a chance to talk with people who were knowledgeable about issues, who were passionate about issues, uh, and just talk about our concerns, our ideas, our questions about how we can make a difference in this state because we really, really need to. Uh, things are not good in Alabama. Uh, and those of you in Alabama know that. Uh, those of you outside of Alabama probably know that and can imagine. Uh, and so, really, we are pretty much at the top of everything bad and at the bottom of everything good. You insert list here, insert statistic there. Uh, Alabama is not a great place for working people and for poor people. And so I'm thankful for organizations like Alabama Rise fighting you know, to change that and to change public policies that really impact people in poverty. So uh, that's a little bit about what we've been up to, uh, you know, with Alabama Rise and uh, enjoy the town hall. If you're local, if you're in the area and you want me to come speak to your group or organize an event with you, a listening session, town hall, something like that, you know, holler at me. Happy to help. Love to love to engage with the people. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, events like that are, are fun and, and good, uh, you know, good for community building. Um, it's good to, you know, get outside and, and touch grass, uh, talk to people um, and, uh, uh, you know, have an opportunity to make community uh, with people around you, um, especially if you are in a profession where you do telework. Uh, te we're going to be talking about telework here in just a second, but, you know, there are a lot of benefits to telework. Um, particularly, I think I think kind of the optimal situation is, is the situation that I fortunately have at my job, where you're, you know, you telework for two or three days a week, and then you're in the office for two or three days a week. I think that's that's really optimal. You kind of get the best of, of both of those situations. You yeah, know, you get the benefits yeah. of both because there are obviously, I think it would be difficult to argue that there are zero benefits from being in the office. I would never argue that. Um, and so you're able to get those a couple of days a week and then, uh, the rest of the days a week, you get the benefits of being able to telework and the flexibility that comes with that and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, I think it really just varies mm -hmm. on everybody's situation and what yeah. works best for them. Uh, I'm with you. I, I kind of like the hybrid model of yeah. best of both worlds. But right now for me, my, um, we are moving, my agency is, uh, is moving buildings. And so we are a hundred percent telework it is not good for my brain. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So if you're a hundred percent telework going out to stuff like this is always good, uh, is, is good for you go out, touch grass, talk to people. Um, absolutely can help you improve your mood. Uh, uh, Vex in the chat says very nice, uh, regarding the, um, discussion about the fundraiser. Very nice. Thank you for all that you do. Appreciate it. Jada says, uh, y'all killed it last week. I'm a newer listener and it was great. So glad I found your show. Uh, appreciate you. you tuning in Jada and, uh, glad you stuck around. Really appreciate it. And, uh, hope we continue to, uh, do good stuff. Uh, Bill says same, uh, regarding, uh, what Jada said, as far as being a newer listener and glad you, she, uh, 
they found uh, that, that Bill found our show. Appreciate, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, glad both of y'all are here. Uh, and Teamsters, uh, six thirty dairy workers uh, in the uh, house. In the house. Yeah, appreciate y'all joining uh, Teamsters local six thirty dairy workers. Um, so what do you do? <clears throat> Work in dairy. <laughs> um, yeah, appreciate everybody tuning in. 844-899-8857 is the phone number if you want to call in and contribute, ask, ask us a question, uh, tell us about a story. Bad boss stories are always welcome. Anything like that. 844-899-8857. So let's talk about telework. Um, we know that since 2020, telework has really exploded, not just across the federal workforce. Well, I'm a federal employee. It's really, you know... I have been probably since 2020, the majority of the time I had been a, been a hundred percent telework, even though, you know, for a while, for about a year or so, I was in what is going to be, I think the standard operating procedure going forward, two days in the office, three days at home. Um, but now we're back to a hundred percent telework because we're moving into a new building. And so they're moving our furniture. And so we got a few months on a hundred percent telework, but, uh, Telework has exploded, not just in the federal workforce, but across the private sector as well. And, uh, you know, there's some right-wing weirdos who are very upset about that <laughs> and about government workers getting the same benefits that private sector workers get. Uh, and, you know, it's not just this issue of telework, but any issue. Right-wing politicians want government jobs to be so low-paying have so few benefits, be so precarious, and be so bad that the quality of the product decreases, you have higher turnover, and, uh, and, and the quality of the product decreases, and so then they can try to make the case for privatization. That's, that's the whole thing, right? You sabotage government services, and then after you finish sabotaging, sabotaging the government services, you turn around and you point at the ina inadequate government services that you have sabotaged, and you say, hey, wow, uh, that's bad. That's bad. Look at that's how broken. bad the government is. The government's broken. We need, we, need to, we need to privatize it. We need to privatize it, and then they can funnel taxpayer dollars into the pockets of their donors, and sometimes even in their own pockets. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing you hear Right-wing freaks talking about government bad. That's the deal. They have sabotaged it in one way or another to the extent that, to the extent that government bad, <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's derivative of underfunding and understaffing and, and overwork and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and capture by those very sad by, forces. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like coal executives running the Mine Safety and Health Administration, right? You know, so uh, government, you know, that's not good for government uh, when <laughs> coal executives or when the, when the foxes are running the hen house, right? Stuff like that happens. Not good for government. Uh, but a lot of times they say government bad, and it's actually, you know, simply not the case. You know, uh, you hear a lot of bad stuff about the post office for some reason. The post office is, like, freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, I've always had great – I almost always have uh, great experiences dealing with the post office. And, uh, you know, provides uh, – and, and, you know, they're trying to do what they can about that by keeping wages low – at the post office, um, but that's another story for another day. Uh, so we had another episode in this saga, uh, specifically as it relates to telework with Alabama U.S. House Representative Gary Palmer grilling the head of a federal agency about telework. So let's listen to, uh, to this clip from uh, last week's hearing. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Ms. Conner Carnahan, um, some of the questions that I, that I have about the whole situation with federal properties has to do with workforce, which you really don't have any control over. 
um, the low productivity that we're now seeing in the federal workforce uh, because of the failure of so many employees to actually report to the office. This whole issue of telework really concerns me because it impacts productivity so much, and, and you've got to have a collaborative effort that, that you just don't get with telework. That doesn't address the issue of are you getting the job done and has productivity increased or gone down? And, and Madam, uh, productivity in the overall workforce in the United States is at levels of lower than, than what we've seen in 40-something years. It's just so frustrating to me for us to, to do some things that, that are, are pretty good, like divesting our portfolio of, of properties, but then see our, our productivity go down. You know, I grew up on a farm, and we kind of understood when the bees leave the hive, they're not making honey. They're not making honey. They're not making honey. All right, so there we go. So, you know, look, uh, he made a lot of claims there, Gary Palmer did, uh, and other representatives. Uh, Gary Palmer and other representatives, are they're nothing if they are not evidence-based in their beliefs and the policies that they try to, uh, to push. So, Adam, uh, let's play the clip where he lays out all the evidence that federal workers are less productive as uh, we are utilizing telework. Let's play that clip. Hmm. Okay. Looking for it. Looking for it. Uh, Are you not? You not seeing anything? Not seeing anything. Oh, Interesting. No, right. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's silly me. It doesn't exist. The clip <laughs> of him presenting any evidence doesn't exist. What? Yeah, if you can imagine that. In his entire questioning of that agency head, in all of his public comments that he has made subsequent to that, and even. In uh, in in uh, the local right wing radio host Michael Yaffe's quote reporting on it, none of them cite any evidence of federal workers being unproductive while teleworking, which is really kind of bonkers, right? I mean, it's not like there is no evidence out there that you could manipulate to try to make your point, right? Obviously, you know when you talk about a topic. Virtually any topic, you can find some evidence, some evidence on any side of any issue, typically. And that exists here. There is there is some numbers out there that you can uh, 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 show your audience without any context to try to make the case that teleworking is bad. You know, there are some numbers about like, oh, well, if you employ this management style, while 100% teleworking, then productivity declines. And it's like, well, you know, that that shouldn't be surprising. There are certain things that you can do to make telework worse than in-office work, obviously, right? There's obviously things that you can do that can make it worse. Um, so it's really wild to me that uh, they just don't use any of the evidence that's out there to make their point. They're just so lazy. They are so lazy in making this argument and trying to make this point that they're not even willing to do the bare minimum and find a little bit of evidence to try to mislead you. They're not even willing to do that. They're just throwing this bullshit out there and hoping it hoping it sticks, right? Without doing any of the legwork. And you know, you know, the irony of these folks, of of these people who are not doing any of this legwork, who are being so lazy that they're not willing to do any research. Uh, the irony of these folks saying that federal employees are lazy, you know, that should not be lost on us. Uh, but the reality is very much that, generally speaking, 
telework actually has a positive impact. It's even it's not even a negligible impact. The 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 bulk the 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 driving uh uh, uh you know the 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 driving um force of the evidence the weight of the evidence is very much on the side of that telework actually has a positive impact on productivity it's not even that it's negligible generally speaking telework has a positive impact on productivity and here is the agency head that he was trying to grill illustrating exactly that point to representative palmer we actually, I, ca I care a lot about productivity. This is a thing that we track closely. And I will tell you that in the last three years alone, uh, our business volume has gone up 38%. In the last 10 years, it's gone up 82%. And we also track customer satisfaction scores. So the same as you would see in the private sector, it's on a scale of one to five. Uh, our customer satisfaction, sa satisfaction score during that period has gone from 3.0 to 3.9%. So I pay a lot of attention to these things. I want to make sure that we're giving good value to the American people and we're delivering on our mission. That's what I commit to you, sir, and to the American people. Mr. Chairman. Hard data, facts, numbers, and Palmer did not even acknowledge any of that much less try to respond to it or debunk it, right? Because he can't, because, well, for one, one reason that he can't is because he hasn't done even the slightest bit of research about this issue right. and about any of the any of the research around it. He hasn't, he doesn't care about that because um, he's so lazy. And, uh, and, and he, he's only going on feelings. Like, I just, I feel like workers are so lazy and it is so important that we have somebody driving them every second of the day looking over their shoulders as they type away on their keyboards it's so important i feel that so deeply in my gut that i don't have to do any research i can just say i grew up on a farm and that's how i know it and somebody in the chat actually makes a very very good point bill says if the bees don't leave the hive, the flowers don't get pollinated. <laughs> so, so even in his own folksy dumbass trying to make it seem like it's intuitively the case that telework is bad, doesn't even work. Because actually it is very true that the bees have to leave the hive to make honey. Like you, you, can't, you can't only be inside of the hive and make honey. It doesn't work that way. So, I mean, just uh, any, it really, really bonkers. Jada says in the chat, the amount of time that I spend in my school building when I could just do telework, especially on planning days over the summer when they forget to turn on the AC, that's another thing. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> you lose so much time in the commute and then, you know, uh, uh, office conditions when the AC is bad or stuff that's outside of your control that you could control in your own home, you know. All of that, it makes sense that telework is good and, and that it uh, that it improves productivity. Um, were you about to say something, Adam? Uh, I was just going to say that I heard once you're elected that you no longer have to Google something. Oh. Like, you don't actually have to look up anything. Um, right, right, it, right. It's probably in the Constitution. Yeah, there you go. There you go. If I, if I feel it, it's probably in the Constitution, yeah. Um, yeah, once you're elected, you know, once once you're in the office, no need to do any homework. Nah. Homework? Nah, Talk about homework. Nah, 
Nah. Nah. He's that's, been elected. He doesn't have to know things. Yeah. That's below me. That's below me. But, you know, <clears throat> um, I am, uh, uh, I took the time, unlike Yaffe and Palmer, to do some more digging. And I've got some other numbers to share with you. In a survey conducted by the AFGE, uh, the American Federation of Government Employees, and Cooley Public Strategies, 91% of Social Security employees surveyed said that they were, quote, much more efficient. Not just, I was more efficient. They were, quote, much more efficient and productive while teleworking in a self-reported survey of Social Security workers. And it's not just limited to Social Security. A survey of federal workers more broadly found similar results. A total of 71.2 respondents reported that telework had improved their productivity at their agency a great deal. Another 16.3% said productivity had improved somewhat due to telework. 9.5% said telework had no impact on productivity. 2% said telework decreased productivity somewhat, and less than 1% said it decreased productivity a great deal. Overall, 87% of respondents said telework had improved productivity at their agency somewhat or a great deal, and 97% of respondents said telework has either had no impact or improved productivity. Those are some pretty, you know, lopsided results. Um, but... I can hear you saying, Jake, of course, of course, the lazy, no good government bureaucrats will say that they've increased their productivity because not only are they lazy, they're liars, government bureaucrats are. So I can't trust what they say about their work and their productivity and their working conditions. What do you take me for? Okay, hypothetical protester. I've got some other numbers for you. Because the Government Accountability Office built a report on studies that found other ways than self-reported productivity to measure the impact of teleworking. Here are some results from the report built out, uh, on the report on that surveyed a bunch of studies on this issue, uh, written up by the Government Accountability Office. Here's some excerpts. One study that used objective measurements to assess the impact of telework on productivity of a Chinese call center found that productivity as measured by calls resolved increased by 13%. That is like not a small amount. If you can increase productivity by 13%, that is uh, significant. One survey fielded in Great Britain found a positive relationship between teleworking and manager-assessed productivity for workers. So it's not, just, it's not the workers self-reporting in this study. It's managers saying, yeah, my workers are more productive when they're at home. Another study examining telework in a large Chinese travel agency found that computer engineers who were randomly assigned the option to work from home up to two days a week wrote 8% more lines of code relative to those who were not provided this option. The study also found that there was no impact on performance reviews for workers who were allowed to telework. Additionally, the study found that the engineers reported that their productivity rose by 1.8% on average 
compared to the peers who were not teleworking. So there you go. You know, don't believe the dum-dums who tell you that working from home is prima facie bad. Generally, the numbers show positive results. There are, of course, best practices that can and should be followed as with in-office work, right? There are ways that you can make in-office work bad. But telework itself is just objectively good. And where it goes bad, it is the fault of management, not the workers. And that's what science is saying, not me. So there you go. Telework good. Gary Palmer bad. Uh, dumb. Stupid. Ignorant. Doesn't know anything. Gary Palmer. <clears throat> um, Teamsters 630 Dairy Worker says, update on the Smart and Final out in the West Coast. 600 workers hit the strike line at two of their main distribution centers. A boycott has been rolled out, and she drew new owners keep breaking labor laws. Seven charges so far. Uh, the video's on my page, so if y'all want to check that out, feel free to do that. Uh, Bill says, worker productivity grew at 3.7% in it annually this year, according to the Department of Labor. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. I do know that there have been some, in some sectors, uh, I do understand that there ha actually has been a decrease in overall productivity, but that decrease in overall productivity is driven by people working less hours, uh, particularly prime age working men who are no longer working 55, 60 hours a week and have cut their work week down to like 40 hours a week, right? Uh, That's been a trend, which I, is good for society. <laughs> right, right. And I just wanted to ask, I wonder if they're really accounting for the pandemic and the impact on productivity over the last few right. years, right? Because you've had a lot of people who have had to miss work because right. they've been sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in some cases, you know, <clears throat> catching COVID multiple times in the year. Uh, and it can lay people out for a while. And some people, unfortunately, get, you know, this long COVID and really severe cases. So I don't know if that's really been factored in into the productivity. I'm just speculating. But, right. you know, that's something that comes to my mind is, hmm, yeah. why would that be? I don't know. Right. I mean, when there's a virus making people sick <clears throat> and people are missing work because they're sick and their kids are sick and they're having to miss work over that. Right. You know, logically, I, I could see where maybe that's a factor. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely something worth considering. Um, but the trend that, uh, you know, prime age working men are no longer or, or are in fewer numbers working, you know, 50, 55, 60, 65 hours a week. I think that's good. That's good yeah, for society. Absolutely. That's good for them. That's good for their families. Um, and uh, so, you know, that does decrease the overall productivity somewhat, potentially. Uh, but what it also does is creates jobs. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Because if the, if, the, if the job actually has to be done and people are working less overtime, that means that uh, jobs are being created. Yeah, to fill the gap. I, I think no one should have to work 50, 55, 60 hours a week to make a mm -hmm. living. Um, and mm -hmm. too many folks are in those scenarios, yeah. uh, even in union environments. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, at least in the union shop, they're going to have to pay for it. Right. Uh, and there will probably be some some significant premiums on top of what's required by federal law. But 
Um, yeah, it's just a shame. So many people are working so many hours, and it's mm -hmm. just not reasonable. And that's why I do believe that a shorter work week is something that we should be fighting for and uh, right. should really be pushing all around in this in this country is because, like you said, it does create more jobs and more evenly distributes the work. Uh, you've got people out here who can't get enough hours, right? You, how many people are out here at these jobs that won't let them get more than 30 hours or, you know, right. could really use overtime but aren't allowed to get overtime even though there may be work that needs to be done, right? right? There are people like that. So you've got folks who need more hours and then you got folks who are working way too many hours. Uh, and some are doing it out of economic survival, right? They depend on that overtime mm -hmm. pay to pay their bills, but that's just, you know, that's not a situation that working folks should be in. You should be able to provide for your family with a full-time work week, right. um, which I believe should be even less uh, yeah. of, of a week. I, I think the bigger trend of productivity is that for the last 50 years, productivity has skyrocketed, right. but uh, wages have not. Right. right. All of that has been captured by the economic elites, the ownership class, the employers. They have captured all the productivity gains. Uh, they have, you know, reaped the benefits of all of that. They have gathered all this wealth. Uh, but wages have been more or less stagnant for 50 years and people have fallen behind in this country. Uh, and it's just one of the biggest trends, you know, that I know we talk about nearly every week, but, it, you know. It's worth talking about nearly every right. week that uh, that reality that there has been class war in this country and the working class has been on the losing side for way too long. Uh, and so it's time for us to get more of the value that we're creating. Yep, exactly. <clears throat> so. Um, this is the this is the thing that really everybody has been talking about Um after the uh, the Senate hearing. So we just reacted to some clips from a House hearing. Um, and this is, uh, everybody's been reacting to this yeah. coming out of the Senate hearing. Um, People who know <laughs> that I'm like a union guy have been like, hey, Adam, did you hear about that? <laughs> yeah. What um, have they said? What have they they're said just like, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard about this crazy senator who wants to like <laughs> fight one of your union guys? <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I thought, Mark Wayne Mullen, I wouldn't have to talk about him again this year. Yeah. I was really hoping I wouldn't have to deal with him again. Yeah. But here he is back invading my consciousness because yeah, of his foolishness. There we go. Infringing on your property rights to your to your brain space, to your mental space. Yeah, it's yeah. Like stop harming my psyche, bro. <laughs> by doing stupid shit that gets you in the news and then yeah. I have to look at it and be like, "Oh wow, this guy literally holds power over other right. human beings." Right. He is one of the most yeah, powerful and, people in the country. Yeah, and I he's was a freaking moron. Right. <laughs> I was looking at um I was looking at his background. We'll talk some more about his background, but he is the only senator. And when I saw this, I was like immediately, "Oh, that's like kind of cool." And then it's like, oh, no, he's giving like this group of people like a bad name. Like, that's that's not good. He's the only senator without at least a bachelor's degree. Well, proof that education and class are not synonymous. Right. Yeah, uh, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. Right. <clears throat> just because you, you know, I know and in this country, class is very obscured. 
And, you know, there's a lot of debate in this country about who is working class, who's middle class. People have been raised up in this country to believe they're all middle class, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you got 90% of the country walking around thinking they're part of the middle class that is, right. you know, a fraction of that. Um, and education is often used, like, as a stand-in for class. Like, oh, you know, folks who are college educated are middle class and, and folks who aren't are working class. And I think right. that's... Um, really an oversimplification um there are certain cultural things that come with you know going through a college education sure but uh there are plenty of wealthy people who are not college educated right. there are plenty of college educated folks who are working class they don't have anything to, to sell but their labor they're working for other people in order to survive they're not employing others they're not living off profits or rents they're living <clears> off wages uh, but yeah, so that's I, I think that's just a, a good example of here's someone who is a multimillionaire who's a business owner. No, he didn't go to college. That doesn't make him a man of the people. Yep. Doesn't make him authentically working class or populist or any of this bullshit that we hear about. Um, you know, I'm sure he drives a big pickup truck and probably mm. wears you know flannel shirts and tries to you know lean into that like every man persona. Um, you know, but it's uh, class is a little bit more than that. Class is not about your cultural affect and what kind of music you listen to and what kind of truck you drive. Uh, it's about how do you make a living? And yep. What's your relationship to the economy and to other people in the economy? Right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and, and play this. Uh, uh, let's let's see what happened last week. All right. Well, hell now I've uh, got to find it because I was just so pissed off <laughs> about having to talk about this stupid guy from, uh, yeah. where's he from? Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Teamster 630 Dairy Worker says, Mark Wayne is mad because Unionist struck his house back in the day and wanted to take it out on O'Brien. <laughs> Where does he live now? Let's go pick it. Yeah, I, I would do that. All right. Now, let's talk about Mr. O'Brien himself, his behavior. As everybody knows in this hearing, the last time <laughs> him and I kind of had a back and forth. I uh, appreciate your demeanor today. It's quite different. But after you left here, you got pretty excited about the keyboard. In fact, you tweeted at me one, two, three, four, five times. And let me read with. Um, I just want to note here. <laughs> Your tax dollars were paid. Yeah, that's right. For some poor soul to go print off some freaking <laughs> tweets for this hearing. Yeah. Just, it, just so yeah. you know, like you, you paid for that. We all, we all paid for that. Right. Yeah. Hope, hope we feel it was worth it. Isn't that kind of like just a, just that is so Absurd. bonkers. <laughs> like I, I am one of the one hundred most powerful people. And and here's you know when I say powerful, I'm gonna translate for absolute idiots and dum-dums like Mark Wayne Mullen. Uh, I mean the, uh, by powerful, <clears throat> I mean uh, not the size of your muscles, <laughs> right? I mean your ability to shape the world, right? That is, and, and that is that is the measure of power. Um, and that is, you know, fortunately kind of the thing that is more important than, uh, you know, than brute strength. Uh, than being able to, you know, lift weights a certain amount. It's not doesn't make you more manly. Uh, doesn't make you more important or uh, cooler or anything like that. Uh, and for people who, you know, 
<laughs> flaunt that kind of stuff in a very uh, annoying way. I think the vast majority of the public just looks at you like, wow, what a dumbass. I'm not impressed even a little bit. I am annoyed. <laughs> so, uh, and, and so, yeah, your tax dollars paid for some uh, fool, uh, some poor sap to print off mean tweets. And that's another thing. This guy is a senator. I'm going to use my five minutes that I could be questioning three of the most influential labor leaders in modern history. I don't know when, in, since I've been alive, I don't think there's been a single labor leader who has had more influence than these three, than Sean Fain, Sean O'Brien, and Sarah Nelson. These are people that are incredibly important in American society and people whose actions and strategies have an effect on people in Oklahoma. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of UPS workers in Oklahoma who have raises because uh, who are now making five dollars an hour more whose whose wage the the starting weight rate jeez the starting wage at ups went up from 15 25 to 21 an hour right that's a five dollar an hour wage raise gosh dang it i don't know what is wrong with me that's a five dollar an hour raise for some of the lowest paid people at ups because of the negotiations that sean o'brien led there are uh are there any big three auto make auto workers in Oklahoma? I'm not totally sure. Seems like there probably would be. Um, there are no doubt flight attendants in Oklahoma. You know, there are people that are being affected by what these folks do in his district, in his state. And he is, his ego is so wrapped up in this. And I want to, I want to ask this guy about mean tweets. This is what a, what uh foolishness and silliness. Okay, let's go. The last one said, um, said, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Sir, I wish he was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Okay, here's another. Let's pause it for a second. <laughs> when he say, pretends he's self-made is actually the truth. He, that is a pretend fiction that Mark Wayne does and his retort to the assertion that he is fake in his assertions about being self-made. I worked a lot of hours. Uh, that doesn't, that's not an answer to the question. Are you self-made? I work. Well, are you self-made? Well, I worked a lot of hours. My wife worked a lot of hours. Well, that's doesn't answer the question, right? <laughs> because he can't answer the question because he got his companies from his daddy, from oh. his daddy. He inherited the companies that he owned from his daddy. He didn't build them himself. He got them from his daddy. Oh, I should have just been born to a business owner. Right. And then you could oh. have been self-made. Oh, that's what I was missing out. Right. Damn it. It's so Opportunity missed. So stupid. Just so silly. Okay, let's go. Made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Right. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. 
Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you don't want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. Is that your solutionary poll? <laughs> no, no, sit down. <laughs> sit down. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Active. Oh, okay, okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Sam. it. Hold it. <laughs> okay, now I just want to comment on this from Bernie. I'm really disappointed in Bernie's inconsistency because he's refusing to call for a ceasefire in Israel, but he's calling for a ceasefire in the Senate. I mean, that's just really not fair to the American public. I think. And also to to stop this from potentially right. happening <laughs> is truly a disservice to the American people. Genuinely. But, uh, you know, the degree to which Sean O'Brien was trolling when he said anywhere, anytime, cowboy, you know, we'll get to O'Brien's uh, response specifically to that, to what kind of implication he was trying to make there. Uh, but, you know, uh, aside from the fact is he trolling or posturing or does he had he ever intended to actually fight uh, Mark Wayne Mullen? Um, <laughs> that on Twitter was e even if, which it's the case that, you know, it, Sean O'Brien did not, there's not any intention of actually fist fighting <laughs> Mark Wayne Mullen, it seems. Uh, and so, you know, maybe some people take umbrage to that into saying that, oh, you know, he's, he's just trolling on Twitter. And that's, you know, trolling on Twitter is fine, I think. Uh, it's not a big deal. But the degree to which that was fake <laughs> is dwarfed by the fakeness of pretending like I'm going to fight you in the, United, in the chamber of the United States Senate. Like, he knew for a fact that there was no shot that a fight was about to happen right then and there. Like, that's just what a silly thing to pretend to believe. Because he doesn't believe that. Hold me back, bro. Hold me back, yeah. Hold the, me I back, mean, Bernie. And 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 he's went on other shows after this saying, like, Neil Cavuto, I think, asked him, w were you really about to go and did, would you, did, were you really about to do this? And he's saying, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. What, I mean, what a lie, right? Like, there is, and, and anybody who believes his act there you should really like, you know, you should really kind of take, take a step back and, and think about, you know, <laughs> think about your uh, gullibility, uh, the, the degree to which you take these people seriously. Um, it's just so, so fake and so much posturing and so much, you know, just so, so, so silly. Okay. I'm sorry. This is Hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. And God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. Let's not I don't make like it worse. Thugs and you, you have, and that's you have I don't like you because you Hold just it. described yourself. Hold it. You have the mic. Yeah. You have time. All make right. Your statement. Then let's do this because I did challenge you and I accepted your challenge. And you went quiet. No, I didn't go quiet. I was. No, I was no, no, you challenged on. me to a cage match, no, no, acting no, like a twelve-year-old schoolyard bully. Excuse Sorry, me. Hold, hold it. No, excuse me. I, I will mic. say. I will say. Exactly Senator what Mullen, said. I have the mic. You have questions on any economic issues, anything that said, go for it. We're not here to talk about physical abuse. You brought. We're not talking about. Of course, and, I did. And let me tell, let me show you his hearing because I want to. I want to expose this thug to who he is. And Could you not point to me? That's disrespectful. Right. I don't care about respecting you at all. I, respect I don't respect you I respect. at all. Sorry, hold, <laughs> hold it. No. You're one of no, the, the most hold elite it, people please. acted. Please. All right. This is a, excuse me. Mm -hmm. 
This is a hearing to discuss economic issues. All right, if you have questions for Mr. O'Brien or anybody else on what he has said, go for it. I mean, but we're not here to talk about fights or I'm, anything else. I'm quoting exactly what he said. You can and say what is, you want. This is, this, is your, this is your witness this you is brought. And let me, I'm, I'm exposing. <laughs> there you go. So that's just, I mean, that <laughs> it was really funny to watch. Um, pretty bonkers, pretty bonkers stuff there. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you've got anything else that, that you wanted to add before we watch the end of that. Uh, no, I'm just curious what else happens. Okay, yeah, let's watch the rest of it. Because you called me out. I didn't call you out. Yeah, you, did. you said any time, any place. That's, that's that. Said, let's get the record okay. straight. Just hold it. No. Hold on. Senator Mullen, do you have a question for the witness? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's hear it. So, anytime, any place. No, that's April, not. April is a charity <laughs> event. No, that's not. That's no, not. No. No, it's a. He, no. Sir, he said it, and this is my. He is time. here so to tell. No. Parameters on what the questions can or cannot be asked, and I'll ask. No, you're not going to. We're not going to be talking about yeah, physical confrontation. Oh, this is about charity for a union charity, because this, this is firefighters. Is, and do people. you have a question April, on his testimony? April, April. Grow up, April please, please. You have grow a question up. on his. Let's not. You said it. You're an embarrassment. You said it, and I'm just simply answering it. You hold it. Hold it. Senator Mullen, you made some charges. Charges. Mr. O'Brien, do you want to respond to yeah, go the ahead, question? Please. Yeah, I mean, look, the reality of it is, you Except know, my Mr. Mr. Tough Mullen, guy. tough guy. Answer, yeah. hold it. Answer the questions. All right, you all want, if I, he, he Just made one second, pause it for right? a second. And um, his statements are Yeah, fiction. hold, hold on, hold on. Fiction, I read them. Okay, yeah. where, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go uh, back a little bit so you can listen to that again. Uh, but for people that are watching us on YouTube, um, Keep an eye on the guy in the UPS shirt behind uh, Sean O'Brien because that's almost as funny as the inner the 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 exchange happening uh, between uh, Mullen and O'Brien. Uh, his face. So okay, let's answer the questions. All right, you all want if I he Please. he made a lot of statements, right? And his statements are fiction at best. Fiction, I read them. Can you where, 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 what? I'll answer the question, please. I can't understand him, to be honest with you. All right. He rambles so much. What was your question, actually? Except, my, well, you said I made a lot of statements. No, but what's your question? I don't understand your question. Could you repeat it? You said any time, any place. What's your question? Accept the challenge. What challenge? You said any time, any place. I'm accepting yours, so why don't you come What back? challenge? What challenge are you talking April about? April 30th. How about we do it for a charity? At the Smoking Guns in Tulsa, Oklahoma. No, we're not going to be talking about physical confrontations here. You want to fight me? What do you say by any time, any place? Let's have coffee. Discuss our differences. Oh, <laughs> that's oh, yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right. Well, let's say I don't have coffee. Let's I'd do it. All right. I'd love to. But do the, it. It's funny how you're back. Okay. Out. I don't back on anything. You did. The other right. one. You're a 100. Senator should be the most influential people in this country <clears throat> making changes. Senator you're focused on. Okay. You're focused on debate that's not even relevant. You're an embarrassment. After, after embarrassment to the state of this Oklahoma. hearing is about the condition of the working class in America. You That's what we're talking about. You're the biggest thug here. Uh, you, brought, you brought him in. All right, you're you're being, the biggest thug. Even look, your colleagues call you. Why you do what you're doing, Senator Hassan? Thank you very much, Mr. Senator Chair. Hassan, Senator Mullen, please yield. I've been recognized no, by the chair. Back to quote. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> Chairman Sanders, I want to thank you for this hearing. I want to thank Ranking Member Cassidy, too, for participating in it. So I uh, also want to thank the chairman for that hearing. <laughs> Thanks for doing that.
Oh, man. Still pretty pissed about some stuff you're doing, Bernie, Yeah. Uh, foreign policy-wise, but I'm um, yeah. glad you uh, facilitated such a scenario. Yes. <laughs> um, let's, uh, and, and, you know, so a lot of people are kind of leaving out the backstory here um, and only accepting Mullins' kind of telling of the events as if everything started with O'Brien, you know, like poking at him on Twitter, right? And that, as if that's kind of the genesis. Like for no reason, Sean O'Brien, international president of the Teamsters, representing 1.4 million workers, uh, decided to uh, tweet at the uh, senator from Oklahoma. Like for you know, for no reason. That's kind of like it's being the situation is being presented in that context. But this is actually, and so I wanted to play again. We reacted to this when it happened, but I wanted to play again. Their first reaction back in March when there was another hearing uh, that Sean O'Brien was at and Mullen was uh, really was just totally belligerent and um, and and disrespectful. And so that folks understand who the aggressor in the situation is. Let's play this clip. Make it very clear. I'm not against unions. I'm not at all. Uh, some of my very good friends work for unions. Uh, they work hard and they do a good job. Um, and so my statements, please don't make uh, an assumption that I'm anti-union. But I also want to set the record straight. All three of you guys have talked about employers being intimidated, intimidating their employees. But you guys haven't ever spoke about when the unions try to unionize the intimidation they have to other people that aren't wanting to unionize. You guys don't mention that. Because see, I started with nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, I started below nothing. Okay, let's just pause it again and remind people that he inherited his plumbing business among other businesses. That he, and I, I, I'm not sure if he, if he inherited these other buildings, but when he was elected to Congress, Mullen owned Mullen Properties, Mullen Farms, Mullen Services, and Mullen Plumbing. Okay, so at the very least, Mullen Plumbing he inherited from his daddy. So, like, the idea that you're going to go up and have the gall before God and everybody in a Senate hearing and say, I started from below nothing. I mean, what a dishonest, lying uh, ghoul. I inherited my daddy's company, and I'm going to get up here and say, I started below nothing. I mean, just what, uh, you know, that's that's really kind of bonkers to have the gall to do that. Um, yeah, it's really, really, uh, really wacky. I don't understand it. I think there was something else that I wanted to say, but I can't remember, so let's just keep playing. And I started growing this little plumbing company with six employees to now we have over 300 employees. And back in 2009, you guys tried to unionize me. My guys were making money. They are getting paid more than the union halls were paying their plumbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember what I wanted to say. Uh, he talked about uh, that during this, this hearing was about um, particularly employer interference in union elections. And so he took umbrage to the fact that, oh, you know, uh, I think unions are intimidating. And the idea that you think that that is like the primary thing that people in the United States Senate and in politics and in the media need to be discussing is just so, so on its face absurd because uh, you got to think about 
who has the power? What is the power? What's it derivative from? And and you know what can actually coerce people? Uh, because the people that actually sign the employee's paycheck is the employer, right? And I'm not going to say that there aren't sometimes in a union campaign, maybe in some situations that uh, people who are supportive of the union, you know, I'm not saying that there's never a situation where they do not behave in a manner that I would agree with, okay? Right, people Obviously. are people. People are people. Unions are human institutions. Human Humans are flawed. So there's going to be flaws in the systems and in the institutions and in certain iterations and, and all this kind of stuff, right? But the idea that union intimidation is something that we should primarily be focused on, and I say primarily because, the you know, the NLRB, like, prosecutes stuff like that, and people are, you know, there is punishment when this kind of stuff happens. But the idea that that should be the focus of any sort of concerted, campaign against election interference in union elections is just so so silly because of where people get their power from in society you know like having money and and signing people's paychecks and then also the evidence that we actually have so we have you know this kind of uh uh, uh the intuitively obviously employers have more power than unions in a union organizing campaign to intimidate their employees. Obviously, that's like just intuitively makes sense. But also, uh, we can look at who commits unfair labor practices more often. It is much, 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 much more often that the employers are convicted or, or are found to have committed unfair labor practices. That is the reality that we live in. Okay. But because we started bidding jobs... At Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. He said that, <laughs> I apologize. He said, we paid more money than the union pipe fitters and plumbers. I would be willing to bet an irresponsible amount of money that that is not true. <laughs> the only way that I could consider potentially that being true is if their straight wages were more than the union's. But if you, I, I would, I would be willing to bet an irresponsible amount of money that uh, all in the union uh, pipe fitters were making more money than than his non-union plumbers and pipe fitters were. Okay, continue. Those union pipe fitters decided they were going to come after us. They would show up at my house. They'd be leaning up against my trucks. I'm not afraid of a physical confrontation. In fact, sometimes I look forward to it. I'm, that's not my problem. But when you're doing that to my employees, and then when, they, when that didn't work, they started picketing our job site, saying, shame on Mullen. Shame on Mullen. For what? For what? Because we were paying higher wages? Because we had better benefits, and that's we wasn't stupid. requiring them to pay your guys' absorbent salaries? You talk about CEOs? that are making all this money. And what do you make, Mr. O'Brien? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, I know what you make because in 2019, you're- See, so we're starting to see, we can stop it for just a second and then we can rewind it for so we don't miss that. But we're starting to see like, who is the instigator here? The instigator is obviously not Sean O'Brien here. Sean O'Brien is responding to the belligerence of this uh, non-union, 
greedy CEO. And we'll talk about his compensation later when he gets to that part of the that part of the questioning. But he asked Sean O'Brien a question. He started to answer the question, and then he immediately wouldn't even let him get a word in edgewise. Okay. Talk about CEOs that are making all this money. And what do you make, Mr. O'Brien? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, I know what you make, because in 2019, your salary was, um, what is this, 193000 I'm sure you got some pay raises since then. Yeah, when I was a And the average UPS driver, the feeder driver, makes 35000 a year. That's and what do you bring That's to inaccurate. Table? Hold on a second. That's inaccurate. State no, facts. I've got it right here. State facts. That's inaccurate. The average UPS feeder driver makes 35000 If you don't know your facts, then maybe you should. Oh, I, I know them because I negotiate the contract. So I say, I say one thing to you. What do you bring for that salary? What do I bring? Yeah, what, do you, what, do you, what job have you committed or have you, have you uh, uh, started? What job have you created? One job other than sucking the paycheck out of some other body, somebody else that you want to say that you're trying to provide because you're forcing them to pay dues? And no, then, we don't force them. Okay, let's stop it for just a second. So uh, remember what his question started as, and then Sean O'Brien gets ready to answer it, and Mullen realizes, like, oh, he's going to have a really freaking good answer to this question, so I'm going to change the question. First, he asked, uh, what value do you bring to your members? What value do you bring to your members? Obviously, Sean O'Brien is prepared to answer that question. Uh, obviously, right? <laughs> that's, that's such an easy question for a union official to answer. Uh, that and, and so he starts to answer it because he's like, oh, I've got this in the bag, right? And so Mullen then changes the question to what job have you created? What job have you created as a union official? Now, um, I don't know why he, he, he didn't say this, but the UPS contract agreement did create jobs. I, he didn't say this in the hearing. I'm not totally sure why, but it created like uh, uh, a commitment to create 10,000 jobs over the course of the contract is my understanding, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. At minimum, uh, additionally, like above for the current production levels that they have, and you know, there's going to be increases as, as volume increase and all this stuff, but there's a commitment to create 10,000 more jobs than they have right now. Um, so, you know, those are jobs that uh, the Teamsters have created with Sean O'Brien at the helm, right? Um, but he asked that question because he feels like that's more of a gotcha question and that Sean O'Brien will have more trouble uh, uh, answering that. So, okay. Let him Actually, the I question. haven't. And no, don't tell me I'm out you of line. You are in line. Don't tell me I'm out of line. Well, you, you, you frame, don't tell me. You I'm frame, making a you statement. Frame, you frame third, the statement. You need to shut your guy. mouth yeah. because you don't know you're what you're talking about. You're going to tell me to shut my mouth? Yes, yeah. I did. Hold it. Yeah. Hold it. Tough guy. I'm not afraid of physical. Hold it. But don't sit there and tell me I'm out of line. Senator. You made a statement. You asked the question. I didn't ask the question. You did. You did. I answered question. the question. You asked the question. About how well, much it was rhetorical. Let him answer. It was, rhetor it was a rhetorical Let, Well, question. you may think it's rhetorical. It Sounded was rhetorical. to me like a question. Let him answer the question. I'm not yielding my time to him. So if you're going to let me keep my time, that's fine. You'll have your time. Let him. You ask Here's a question. question. He has so, a right to answer that. As far as my salary goes... My salary, if you follow me around, I walk, I actually look at this building. I bet you I work more hours than you do, twice that's, as many that's hours. That's impossible. But no, that is, that's true. Sir, you don't secondly, even know what hard work is. Secondly, you want to follow yeah. my schedule? Be, secondly, be, I'll do it in a minute. Secondly, UPS feeder drivers, and you can quote uh, Carol Tomei, who quoted this, they make 93000 on the lower end. Some I of them making 150000 I said feeder drivers. Feeder drivers, tractor trailer drivers. Some of them making $150,000 per year. 
Some of them do. And I don't disagree with that. Most of them after make over four, most of them, after you've been there four years. Most of them make over a thousand. Uh, okay. Most of them make over a hundred thousand. So reclaiming my time. Yeah, and I just just another on that. He says, uh, sure, some of them do after they've been there for four years, as if that like distracts or takes away from his argument or, or, or bolsters his argument that Sean O'Brien makes too much money because he said Sean O'Brien makes made in 2019, 193,000. Uh, that was before, obviously he was general president. I think now as general president, he makes 225,000 a year. Um, and Sean O'Brien has been in the union for, you know, I, how long? 30 years, right? You know, <laughs> the people talk about uh, exorbitant uh, salaries of, you know, union presidents. And, you know, I mean, look, for, coming from members in the House of Labor, that's a like that's a question that we can have in a, in a debate we can have in a discussion that we can have. Right. But under like capitalist logic that Mullins loves, uh, you know. Typically, international union presidents have been doing work for the union for decades before they get into being the president. And then as an international president, they are uh, responsible for the running of an enormous institution responsible for far more than Mullins ever was, right? Oh, I had 300 employees. Yeah, the Teamsters represent 1.4 million, right? Which one has a bigger effect on the economy? Which one has more work to do? Obviously, being the international president of the Teamsters, there is more work to be done than being the CEO of a non-union 300-person plumbing company. Like, obviously. And yet, Mullins, uh, before he came into the Senate, before he came into Congress, he was congressperson first, then he came into the Senate. He reported between $200,000 and $2 million in income from two family companies in 2012, the first year that he came into the Senate, into the Congress, in the House of Representatives, right? And so he's like supervising 300 people, Sean O'Brien administering an organization of $1.4 million, and his salary is lower than Mullins was, and Mullins is trying to attack his salary. You know, it's just so, like... On their terms, it's such a silly thing to think of, uh, to talk about when we're talking about salaries that are between, you know, 150 or 250, even 300,000 at the high end. You know, it's like for large unions, it's not like that's just absolutely ridiculous, especially in the Teamsters Union where it's not uncommon, actually, you know, working for UPS or some of these other tractor trailer drivers, they do make $190,000 a year, some of them, right? So, you know, that's not... Uh, uh, if your members are making 190000 a year, some of them, it's not unreasonable that you're going to be making as much as your highest earning members as the administrator of the entire international union. Not unreasonable. Okay. Right. <laughs> Sir, you haven't created a job. We haven't? You haven't been there. You haven't. Sure we have. You haven't. Sure we have. Tell me one job that you created. What do you, what do you talk about? Be specific. You're like, an employer? No, we're not an employer. People? No, but you know it's funny. So, no, we, then, we create, then, then, we create opportunity. Jobs. We create opportunity because we Sir, hold that's, that's we not, hold greedy CEOs like yourself not, accountable. You call me a greedy CEO? Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> you want to attack my salary? I'll attack yours. You're, what did you ahead. make? What did you make when you owned your company? When I made my company. I kept my salary down at about uh, fifty thousand a year because I invested every penny into it. Okay. All right. You mean you hid money? No, I didn't hide. Oh, oh. <laughs> hold on a second. 
Okay, Coach. He said that's out of line. You said right, I was out of line. We're even. He's, we're, even. He's, we're not even. <laughs> we're not even close to being even. You think it's smart? You think you're funny? No, you're you, not. You think you're funny? No, I never said. I did. I smile. You frame. You frame your opening. Hold on, hold on. Let's. You frame your opening statement. Saying you're a Senator, continue. This, this uh, Senator, please this continue is your statements. But sir, this is. A, I think. I think it's great that you're doing this because Me too. this shows their behavior <laughs> on how they try to come in and no, demonize the show. No, no it's and they say about intimidation, and it's not about intimidation. This, it's they show your behavior. Yep. Stay on the issue, please. The <laughs> issue is if you're really for the employee. Then why are you against right to work? Why are you against <laughs> private ballots? If you're really about the employee, let the employee make the choice. I'm not anti-union, but when you don't want to have a private ballot, that's not intimidating. That's not intimidating. Why would you want a private ballot? If that is intimidating the employee. If you uh, what exactly is he talking about? Card check. Right. Private ballot. That's what he's talking about. He doesn't like the idea of card check. Um, so I, I don't know if he's aware, but during a card check, you can choose not to sign that card. What? I, I don't know if anyone's told him this, but, oh, um, that can't be right. Yeah. Turns out a card check doesn't mean, oh, everyone's forced to sign the card and then <laughs> boom, we're recognized. Oh, you have I, you no know, rights. You have no freedom here. Your choice what? has been made for you. I I thought that's why I thought that's why uh, thought that's unions why wanted it, it because uh -huh. card check meant that uh, we could go into any workplace with guns and you know gun to their head, force card people check. to hire uh, to sign a union card. But you're telling me that's not the case. Interesting. I mean, unfortunately, not. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, uh, he he uh, may have some misunderstanding of how yeah. this works. Um, you know, same with right to work, you know, uh, but yeah, it is. Every time we talk about right to work or right to work comes up, it's just important to understand that right to work laws are government's uh, coercion and interference in the private negotiation process, because what private what right to work laws do is it says that it is illegal. It is illegal for unions, for workers collectively to have a contract and for employers to agree to a contract that says, as a condition of employment, you have to pay agency fees to a union. The government comes in and says it is illegal for you to agree to this clause in your contract. You can agree to all sorts of nonsense in your contract and other responsibilities and duties and costs that, uh, that employees have to incur, but you can't, uh, you can't, say that as a condition of employment, you have to pay agency fees. That is government interference. Uh, that is coercion. That is, uh, in the libertarian sense, against freedom. In the, you know, right-wing, you know, kind of perverted libertarian sense. Um, and if we're talking about the libertarian sense of freedom, if you don't want to work in a union shop, you can not work in a union shop because there's so many non-union shops. If you want to go work at a union shop, you should absolutely have to pay union dues working in a union shop because you chose in this libertarian sense of freedom. And now I don't necessarily conceive of freedom in the same way. And so I would be more open to a conversation about coercion and employment and, you know, are you actually free to choose your employment? Blah, 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 blah. But this freak doesn't believe that way. 
he thinks that wherever people choose to work is where they choose to work. And if somebody asked him about unionizing, he would say, oh, yeah, you know, I support your right to do it. But instead of that, why don't you just work somewhere else if you don't like the wages that you're paid? Well, why don't you work somewhere else if you don't want to pay dues to the organization that is responsible for creating the benefits and wages and working conditions that that uh, uh, that, that shop has? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, you know, and I, I have some, I don't know, I, I feel complicated about the scenario uh, in terms of agency fees and how effective are they. But mm-hmm. if the union and the employer negotiate said right. fees, it should be allowed. And yeah. the fact Employees, that the government says yeah. you can't do that. And in fact, you, the union, must represent people right. who take a free ride on your services. Yeah. You cannot make them pay anything, but you must. Pro- Where else? Right. I, I mean, I can't think of any other examples where you are literally obligated to provide services for free to someone. Right. You must pay to provide services for free to someone in this scenario. I don't I don't know. It's it's uh it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. You don't okay. want a right to work state? Don't force somebody to make to pay dues. Right to, to work is force. Right to work with. is government coercion. Don't force somebody to do something they don't want to do. That's called employee choice. If you want to be part of a union, God bless you, be part of a union. I have no issue with that. But don't sit up here and say that an employee is the one that intimidates their employer their or their employers are intimidating their employees not becoming a union. Okay, Senator, that's not thank accurate. you. Thank you very much, Senator. Uh, it is. It is absolutely accurate. We report like it, on it every week. Yeah. It's just the re- nature of the game. You talk to workers across this country, especially here in the South, and they will be happy to tell you yeah. that you go around using the U word. Mm-hmm. You might just get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so he can eat it. Absolutely. Uh, we got a couple more stories and we'll get through them pretty quick and then we'll wrap up here for today. Uh, no more time for calls. Um, so... Over in Sweden, Tesla is facing the largest labor action that it ever has in the history of the company, where beginning on yesterday, the 17th of October, cleaners are going to stop cleaning Tesla showrooms, electricians will not fix the company's charging portals, dock workers are refusing to unload Tesla cargo at Swedish ports, and postal workers are refusing to deliver mail to and from Tesla. So this is a huge, like, general strike by people in all sorts of industries against Tesla. Um, it started, and, and now I'm reading a lot from a Wired article, it started as a strike by Tesla mechanics uh, because um, the uh, uh, Tesla is refusing to sign a collective bargaining agreement with its mechanics. For five years, the industrial workers union IF Metal which represents Tesla Mechanics, has been trying to persuade the company to sign a collective bargaining agreement. When Tesla refused, the mechanics decided to strike at the end of October. Then uh, they asked fellow Swedish unions to join them. Collective agreements form the backbone of the Swedish labor market model, says Michael Peterson, head of negotiations at the Electricians Union, which plans to join the blockade. 
Uh, fighting for the Swedish model becomes even more crucial when it involves a large company such as Tesla. Negotiations are currently at a standstill. IF Metal spokesperson Jesper Peterson told Wired that there are no ongoing talks with Tesla as of Wednesday. Um... And so now some unions that join the blockade are expanding their actions in an, in an effort to be more effective. Since November 7th, union members working at four Swedish ports have been refusing to unload Tesla cargo. And tomorrow, the blockade will be extended to all ports in Sweden. We don't want to unload any Tesla cars, says Jimmy Asperg, who is the president of the dock workers branch of Sweden's transport union and works at Gavelport. We are going to allow every other car to dock, but the Tesla cars, they will stay on the ship. Hell yeah, brother. Um, the Swedish Building Maintenance Workers Union will also join the Tesla blockade. Um, quote, simply because the IF Metal Workers Trade Union asked us to, says Ombudsman uh, Torbjorn Johnson, adding that the union has around 50 members who clean Tesla locations. Four showrooms and service centers will be effective, three around Stockholm and one in the city of Umeå. Their workshops and showrooms will not be cleaned. Three days later, on November 20th, the SECO union, which represents postal workers, will stop delivering letters, spare parts, and pallets to all of Tesla's addresses in Sweden. Tesla is trying to gain competitive advantages by giving the workers worse wages and conditions than they would have with a collective agreement, said SECO's union president, Gabriel Lavecchia, in a statement. It is, of course, completely unacceptable. The last time Swedish faced off against an international company over working conditions was when toy company Toys R Us also refused to negotiate a collective agreement in 1995. After a three-month strike that started with retail employees and spread to boycotts by other unions, the company eventually signed. So uh, this is all fantastic news. Um, all power to the Swedish workers. Uh, all support and solidarity with them. And this is exactly the reason that this kind of action, secondary strikes and boycotts by others in the labor movement, was made illegal in the United States. We just finished talking about how it is nonsense and incorrect and a lie that um, not having right-to-work laws is coercion by unions. We just talked about coercion. Um, the United States government has coerced our labor movement and said it is illegal for you to support your sisters and brothers when they go on an action against a company. If workers go on strike against, you know, widget company A, and there is a component part in widget A called widget B who that is created by a different company, that separate company cannot go on strike. It is illegal for... Uh, you know, it would be illegal for dock workers to refuse to uh, do this in the United States. It would be illegal for the Postal Service to stop postal workers to stop delivering to Tesla. All of this stuff is illegal in the United States because it happened a couple of times in the United States. And it was so effective that capitalists said we have to employ state power to coerce workers into not being able to do this. It's the entire reason it's illegal, because it's so effective. And so bosses have taken away our freedom to do this. We want to talk about freedom. That's right. what's happening on the issue of freedom in the United States. Should as it be relates your to right labor. to withhold your labor for any reason you so choose. Yep, but it's not in the United States. Um, 
insane. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, and so some other stuff that I learned about Tesla in Sweden, which was like very surprising to me uh, from Daily Union Elections on Twitter. Uh, they said that Tesla is the fastest growing car company in Sweden by sales volume, now making up 7% of new car sales this year. In Norway, they're the largest auto company by sales. Norwegian unions are now threatening to block Tesla logistics uh, because of what's happening in Sweden, which would cripple the company on a market where they have 21% of new car sales. So that's really big news for Tesla over on the other side of the pond. Um, and again, solidarity and uh, solidarity with the Swedish workers, with the Norwegian workers, all power to them. And uh, may American workers wake up and see the kind of power that we would have through this action and, uh, and, and do it in such a way that the law cannot be used against us. There's one more story about Tesla. Um, this from More Perfect Union. Elon Musk, self-described free speech absolutist, talking about freedom again. Freedom's the theme of the show today. Freedom. We like freedom. Bosses don't like freedom. Elon Musk, self-described free speech absolutist, can now legally ban Tesla workers from wearing union shirts a federal court has ruled. The far-right Fifth Circuit Court overturned an NLRB precedent whose legal framework has been upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court for almost a hundred years, since 1945. The Fifth Circuit has overruled it. since uh, A legal framework that's been upheld since 1945 that says that, um, that wearing union shirts or stickers or buttons or stuff like this is legally protected concerted uh collective action that it is pr within the right of workers to use under the National Labor Relations Act it's long been held nobody's even nobody's really challenged it uh significantly and so now the fifth circuit has overturned that we're going to see if it goes to the Supreme Court or if the, you know, not totally sure what's going to happen there. Uh, not super excited about the prospects of it going to the Supreme Court. But, you know, the irony should absolutely not be lost on people that a speech or that a case which seeks to restrict workers' free speech. You know, when we talk about free speech in the media, it's always about millionaires who have been, quote, canceled. And by canceled, uh, they always mean getting speaking engagements at lots of colleges and media hits on all the major news stations and op-eds in all of the major papers and millions of dollars from book publishers and all this stuff. That's what cancellation means, somehow. It's kind of strange for me. I, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around it. But that's what they say cancellation means. That's what we talk about when we talk about free speech typically in the media. We talk about millionaires being, quote, canceled because they have, a, they have an opinion that people don't like and they should be able to have this opinion without consequences, without repercussions or whatever. They should be able to speak their mind. And that's what we talk about. But the real free speech fight in America is in the workplace because workers are constantly under threat and constantly 
being made to restrict our speech and our speech has has con consequences in the workplace that is totally legal. You know, this has been for 100 years has been illegal to um to restrict this form of speech, which is still not to say that it doesn't happen that people don't get retaliated against and terminated and disciplined for wearing union stuff on the clock. But it's illegal. But there's plenty of stuff with regards to speech that it is completely legal for you to be um, for you to be retaliated against on the job. And unlike the millionaires who for them cancellation means millions of dollars in speaking engagements all over the place, which, again, it's kind of difficult to kind of figure out exactly, you know, the, the mechanism there. Um, but for workers who this happens to, it means the loss of an income. And the majority of working people in the United States of America are living paycheck to paycheck. And so the loss of an income is going to, uh, you know, could potentially lead to your ruin, right? And that's what we're talking, that's the real actual, if we actually want to be concerned about free speech, that's the issue. It's working people who are having our speech restricted and who are being retaliated against and who are right. actually being canceled. Right. Because there are people who have been fired all over this country yeah. for things they've said. Or things they've worn. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, free speech. Uh, free speech. And he's also, you know, while we're talking about Elon Musk and free speech, he has uh, now said that you will be suspended from Twitter if you say, use the phrase in a way that you are in, uh, condoning it and saying it yourself. From the river to the sea. And um, there was another one that he said... Uh, that you'll be suspended if you, um, if you use, uh, and I'm having trouble. Yeah, but I thought he was, uh, right. against censorship. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yes. you'll be suspended if you say from the river to the sea, uh, because it's, quote, genocidal. <laughs> but, um, that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. And this is also after he endorsed, uh, some anti-Semitic, conspiracy theories about uh jewish people being behind uh you know the great replacement of white folks by uh black folks um but then once he said uh that we will be um that they will be uh uh suspending people oh decolonization decolonization if you use the word decolonization and from the river to the sea he says those are euphemisms that necessarily imply genocide wow and you'll be suspended for that this was literally the day after he endorsed um anti-semitic conspiracy theories on twitter like this is like pretty crazy stuff um of jewish folks you know um being behind so, yeah, not the only great is, replacement. Not only is and it then, a conspiracy that white people are being replaced, but that also Jews are behind it. Right. So like how many groups can you actually yeah. like offend and hate in this one theory, I guess. But then after that <laughs> So he you know, then he does the we'll suspend you if you say from the river to the sea. Jonathan Greenblatt from the ADL, the anti defamation league quote tweets him and says, this is an important and welcome move by Elon Musk. I appreciate this leadership in fighting hate. Wow. Yeah, so the ADL is uh, clearly, you know, uh, an incredibly cynical organization that is much less concerned with fighting 
you know, anti-Semitism and hate against Jews than it is uh, supporting Israel as a state uh, in the media. Really pretty gross. Like, actually, you know, difficult to imagine being that cynical. But that's the world that we're in. Uh, that's going to be it for us today, folks. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure you like the stream and subscribe on your way out if you haven't yet. Um, check out our merch. Check uh, out our merch, tblr.fm slash store. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see a couple of... Um, Teamster630 Dairy Worker says, I met O'Brien during his visit to our barn in the West Coast. Uh, straight up guy, he let me speak uh, everything that was on my mind and never cut me off. Showed solidarity from Boston, California. Very cool. Uh, love to hear stuff like that. Um, Brandon says, I'm late, but I would totally put my money on O'Brien to win that fight, even though the senator has a UFC record. He doesn't have a UFC record. He has an MMA record that um, was at a... Uh, an amateur, you know, mixed martial arts thing in his hometown. Um, and also speaking of his hometown, he went on a podcast like in, in Oklahoma, a small Oklahoma podcast and said, I'm not afraid to bite like without, you know, <laughs> this guy didn't ask him about his fighting style. He just said, Oh, and by the way, I'm not afraid to bite. I'll bite people. I'll bite a bitch. Uh, mm. pretty weird kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, anyway, <clears throat> Tesla's opening up in Mexico trying to avoid the union. Yeah, right to work was always absurd, says Scott. Indeed. Uh, don't piss off Sweden, says quirky geek girl. Yep, yep, yep. Um, solidarity in the chat. Lots of solidarity for Swedish workers. Uh, Nomadic says Mafri's Peach. Yep. Um, so there you go. Shout out from uh, local UAW Local 3047. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Um, Pyro314 says, got here late, but just subbed. Heard about you through Sam Cedar. Would like to see more people covering this. I hope the return of unions keeps happening and lifts you up. Uh, that would be great. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thanks, Pyro. All right. That's it for us today. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, again, shop talk. Not happening this week because Thanksgiving. See you on Saturday.